Howdy, and welcome to the first ever BP Movie Journal. This is going to be a um, weekly thing that's our, I guess, second episode of the week, or first, depending on what order you listen to them in. Um, I am David Bax of Battleship Pretension. I'm Tyler Smith, also of Battleship Pretension. Yeah, and uh, after 400 episodes, we've decided to expand the Empire. Indeed. And do two episodes a week, um, because when we started... Battleship Pretension, as we've talked about before, we were both broke. We weren't, you know, press or anything. We right. weren't seeing a lot of new movies, and that kind of um, dictated the the content of the. Uh, that's how Battleship Pretension came to be topic based. Yes, is because we were like, we can't afford to be seeing new movies every week. And it, this also, it, it also sounded more interesting to us to like really delve into movies as a whole as opposed to just the latest film that people are going to be talking about now and won't in a month <laughs> right and you that's know. and that's not necessarily what this is going to be and not necessarily going to be um you know whatever's new in theaters this right. week um it's going to be about what we've seen since mm-hmm. we last recorded yeah. because tyler and i uh when i show up at tyler's house to record the podcast every week i t- we tend to loosen up by mm-hmm catching up on what we've seen over the past week yeah. and i guess uh it was your idea to essentially make that a show yeah just because there are people who wonder you know they there are people who would like this to be a review show or more specifically they just say i'd like to know what you and david think about such and such a movie mm-hmm. and we're never going to do a straight up you know slash film or film spotting type of review show because those shows are already doing it very well exactly you know um but we but that's the thing. Sometimes, you know, as we talk about the inevitability of seeing a film or something like that, we find ourselves, we talk a lot around movies, but, and sometimes we go straight on and talk very in depth, but, uh, we don't often give ourselves a forum to talk really straightforward in an in-depth way about right. movies we've seen. And so I wanted an opportunity for that partially because one thing is that for me, it winds up being an, it is a journal. It winds up being a nice journal of what I have seen throughout the, right. throughout the year. And I can return back. And whenever we get asked, uh, in a few months to do our, uh, 10 for whatever that website is, we've done the last couple of years where they, they ask us to write like 10 movies that we saw this past year that we loved for and, river Puppin speaks. Yeah. And yeah. I, and I almost never remember, Oh, I keep. Uh, so, I started. I started keeping a list of what I see over the course of the year, kind of inspired by Bob asking us to do that. Yeah, and uh, I feel like I should do that, and I always forget. So now this is sort of my own version of that. Um, but also, I want to say, um, I'm not going to make any apologies for the fact that I will talk about movies that I may later talk about on the main show. Yeah, yeah. And also that I may regurgitate these ideas in reviews. Absolutely. Uh, either that I have already written or I'm going to write. I'm not yeah. going to make any apologies for that. That's just the way it's going to go. Well, I was watching, I was, while I work, I enjoy listening to old episodes of Siskel and Ebert and uh-huh. they regularly would quote their own written reviews right. on the show, okay. you know, so I think it's fine. Well, we want to keep this a little short. So why don't you go first? Okay. So, uh, as you will hear on an upcoming, uh, on the, our 400th episode, um, I did recently see a documentary about Orson Welles called Magician. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will go into more detail about that, uh, on the upcoming episode, which as I'm sure you can tell at this point, we've already recorded. Are you planning to review for the website? I didn't see it for that purpose, but I guess I could, if you'd like. Okay. I mean, yeah, it, it is getting, I mean, you saw it as a part of AFI Fest, right? I saw it as a, Yeah. It was part of AFI Fest. I got invited as an American Cinematheque member 
Okay. Thank you very much for that, David. Oh, no problem. Um, uh, so but yeah, it is but, it is getting a theatrical release apart from that. So it maybe is, it, yes. Yeah, you could review it. If yeah, you I th- I think so because I think people need to know that it is very bad <laughs> and it is a big old waste of time. And if you are, you know, it seems like if you are a Wells fan, you will like it. Uh, I would venture to say if you are a Wells fan, you will you are predisposed to disliking it because it is just a rock skipping across the surface. Uh, it is not deep. It does not. There's no the- there's no theories about like why Wells was what he was. It's just it might as well be called Orson Wells, a bunch of stuff that happened. <laughs> so and that's all I'll go into because I go into more detail in, in the proper episode in, in a few in a couple okay. days. Um, I also saw, I had a frustrating uh, AFI fest in which I did not get to see nearly as many movies. Yeah. I only saw one movie at AFI Fest. Okay. Because I either didn't get into stuff or I had problems with the train and didn't get to stuff on time. AFI Fest is very uh difficult to navigate sometimes like It's that. getting that's the thing. I had a I had a reserve ticket and mm-hmm. I still there was still this f- fucking labyrinth that I had to go through to get right. into the film. Yeah. And I just thought like there are people who will do this with no guarantee of a ticket. Yeah. Uh, I am never, ever going to do this. This no. sounds terrible well, to me. Well, it's fun. I had a great time at AFI Fest last year. Um, but this year, I just had... Just things kept um, going the other way mm-hmm. for me. But also, uh, we're doing... Um, our next episode after the 400 is going to be our AFI Fest wrap-up with mm-hmm. Scott Nye. You knew that, right? I emailed you when, about it. When was that? Ago. Next week. That's four hundred one. That's, that's oh, okay. that four hundred one is going to be that. Okay. Um, I did. I did send you an email. Though. Yeah, but I, I and I remembered that I hadn't responded to it, but I forgot if it was a question or a statement. <laughs> no, I already told Scott this one. Okay. Um, but luckily, well, I can actually um, chime in now. I hope you. I hope you guys aren't tired of hearing about magician. <laughs> uh, luckily, there are um, some you know places do press screenings leading places you know films that already have distribution will sometimes get press screenings leading up to afi mm. so there are a number of afi films that i have seen yeah but i only saw one at afi fest and it was called black coal thin ice it was the winner of the uh golden bear at the which one is the golden bear is that, the, is that that's venice Ber- berlin. i think it's berlin. That's berlin yeah uh berlin film festival at one i don't entirely understand why it's not yeah. awful it's um the the plot in as much as it exists is that a detective it starts off the very first handful of scenes are about uh, a grisly murder happens a group of detectives go to track down uh the killer um they find a guy he ends up shooting and killing two of the detectives mm-hmm. and the third one our protagonist gets shot and then kills the guy mm-hmm. so um flash forward you flash uh, go ahead five years and he's now no longer a cop he's working as a security guard he's you know injured in the line of duty he's put on some weight um and then he finds out that the wife of the guy who died five years ago two other men have died that have been in proximity to her since then hmm. and so he becomes kind of preoccupied with the idea that the guy he killed wasn't the killer and he starts becoming no longer a cop, but becoming obsessed with this woman and that sort sounds of following neat. her. That sounds like yeah. a good movie. Yeah. And it's not, again, it's not bad, but it just sort of lays there and it's sort of, um, I'm trying to remember, uh, one critic described it as I think smugly ponderous. And I think that's kind of how I feel about it was that it's the kind of movie that I feel like I should be thinking about what really happened or what does that really mean? Yeah. Cause it is kind of intentionally nebulous like that. Um, 
but there, I definitely get the impression that there's actually not that much to figure out. Hmm. Uh, I think it's just a sort of weird, fractured, sometimes somnambulant uh, type of um, dream movie in which things don't entirely make sense and you don't always... It also doesn't help that it's like... It takes place... It's a Chinese film. It takes place in winter and everyone's wearing roughly the same kind of bulky coat, coat mm. the whole time. So it's like, wait, which guy is that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you see him from behind, you know, there's literally this one part where he's chasing a yeah. guy. Do you think that was... I, do you think they did that on purpose I to do play think, up the confusion? I kind of do okay. think that. But anyway, that's called Black Coal Thin Ice. It's not awful. It has definitely... It has some scenes. There's a part where... Um, he's The part I'm talking about where he's chasing the guy that is at a... Uh, like an ice skating rink. Um, and he's on foot and the other guy is on ice skates. Mm-hmm. But then the ground and stuff is so frozen. The field behind the ice skating rink is frozen. So the guy leaves the ice skating rink and is still ice skating across the field mm-hmm. while he's following him on foot and chasing him down. It's a really cool scene. That's neat. There are some other cool scenes like that, uh, but overall not that great. Okay. Would you say it's, let's say somebody, this is something that we talk about on more than one lesson when talking about the best picture winners. Uh, let's say somebody said, Hey, I'm going to go see, I, I've forgotten the name already. Black coal, thin ice, black coal, thin ice. I'm going to go see that. Would you say, Oh, you shouldn't see that. Or would you just say, Okay, that's fine. I'd say, yeah, I'd probably say, tell me what you think. Okay, all right. Yeah. So it's not a movie you would warn people away from right. or anything like that. Um, okay, uh, yeah, I actually, looking at my list of movies I've seen recently, a lot of them are genre exercises, one way or another. So I will combine a couple of them. Uh, speaking of sort of mysteries and sort of detective stories, uh, I recently saw Blue Ruin, oh, which yeah. I... Which I one, saw at AFI Fils. AFI Fest last year. As one would expect, I loved it. I think it's amazing. Um, Because I know it has been making the festival rounds, uh, I was reluctant to put it as a movie that, as a 2014 release, but I looked at, it it was officially distributed this year, so I'm, so it's in my top 10, Mm -hmm. fairly high up if I were, if I remember correctly. Um, It's a film that I just, man, I'm a big fan of when filmmakers and screenwriters in an, in a completely unselfconscious way, strip a movie down to its bones and realize, wow, there's, we don't really need that much to get people engaged. You know what I mean? But of course it's, but that makes it sound like the film is, is boring and maybe cold emotionally. Cause that's something you run across sometimes with, uh, with movies like that, but it's not, I mean, it's very emotional. You, I feel very engaged. It, it winds up being somewhat complicated emotionally. Uh, you feel like you have an idea of what it is first and then you go on the same emotional journey as the as the main character as he it winds up being a really interesting meditation on revenge and the complicated nature of that and it's just and i remember i, I looked it up and apparently the, it's a film that was crowd, uh, crowdfunded oh i didn't know that and it was um and according to the wikipedia entry it said the film is being held up as what crowdfunding can do like without crowdfunding yes you wouldn't get the zach braff whatever but you get blue ruin. Mm-hmm. And so if for no other reason, and I'm fine with crowdfunding no yeah, matter what, but if nothing else, even if you get nine terrible movies out of crowdfunding, you do get blue ruin. And that is worth nine terrible movies to me. I thought it was great. I, I feel like, um, uh, I'm going to compare it to something that you're not as in love with as I am, okay. but you like, which is breaking bad. Yeah. I think both blue ruin and breaking bad, are at least when Breaking Bad is at its best, are honest about 
consequences of his character's actions. And I at think, its bring that at its best. I absolutely agree. Yeah. That, that it doesn't, uh, it doesn't let the characters off the hook with, um, uh, you know, cinematic contrivances. Mm-hmm. Um, it really follows through and in blue ruin, it's often a Murphy's law type of thing. Like whatever can yeah. go wrong will go wrong. And yeah. it keeps following its own logic yeah. in a way that is, uh, sort of sickeningly fascinating to watch. I mean, I, there are times when I chuckled even when, even though it is not funny, but there are times when I chuckled out of incredulity, like, Oh, what next? Yeah. And by the way, there is now, it is now a one, two punch for actor Devin Ratray or Rattray or yeah. however you say it. He was wonderful in Nebraska and he's wonderful in this. Yeah. I, I think he's amazing. Yeah. He's, I mean, you wouldn't, who would have thought to cast, um, Buzz, Buzz from home alone yeah. as like essentially the conscience of the film. Yeah. <laughs> but what's more. And even so you have it when you say the conscience of the film, I'm sure people have an idea of what the character is like. But he's not like that. Right. Yeah. You know, he I don't know. It's it feel, it's a very lived in film on top of everything else, which I really like. Um, so another and I'll I'll just very quickly say another sort of mystery detective type of movie that I just saw was A Walk Among the Tombstones, which I'd been wanting to see for a long time. It showed up at this dollar theater over okay. here. I saw it. Oh, you saw it. OK. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, I liked it a great deal. I like Scott Frank. I love the lookout, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, it wound up being just a really just a very good example of like a just a genre film um, that was also willing to go where the story needed it to go as far as the type of violence and how I think unblinking it is. Yeah, it's unblinking because like, I, yeah, I mostly liked it, but I think it's uh, unblinking, to use your word, in a way that sometimes takes away from what I think is intended to be a gut punch or a surprise. And it, yeah. Like, it, so some of the violence feels inevitable in a way that sometimes is effective where you feel like yeah. I said with blue ruin, you feel almost sickened by it. Yeah. Like I know this is coming and this is terrifying, but it also, I think takes, I don't know. There's to not get into spoilers. There's a suicide in the film that I think I saw coming about yeah. 10 minutes before it happened. Yeah. There's, I'll say this. Uh, the film reminds me in a lot of ways of unforgiven in that there's a real fatalism to it, which, and you said inevitability. Mm-hmm. And I feel like so much of this film when a character dies, it's not surprising that they die, not in a way that's just, oh, that's predictable. It's more, it's predictable because of the world we are, that we are inhabiting, right. that the characters inhabit and the choices they're making. Of course, this is what's going, this is yeah. what happens. Yeah. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's, um, and I think it's some really great work by Liam Neeson. I like him a lot in it. Um, quick side note, the guy who plays the Russian gangster in Walk Among the Tombstones, mm-hmm. Uh, he was on, he was in the movie Beowulf when I was a oh, okay. PA on that. He is the sweetest man. <laughs> he is such a nice guy. He seems like a nice uh, guy. It, so it was fun to see him. Yeah. Um, his name is Sebastian Rocher. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, you know what? I love all the acting and you mentioned the, the character that, that, uh, commits suicide. Mm-hmm. I love that performance. Yeah. I think it's great. Yeah. Um, so. okay. I saw a movie. Um, no, I'll stick a pin in that. Okay. Okay. I was going to say, no, I'm going to talk about this movie. I was going to go off on a tangent, but I think we should keep tangents to a minimum on this, this thing. Um, I saw a movie, um, that a lot of people are not liking, uh, called men, women, and children by Jason Reitman. Um, and I have gone, um, back and forth on his films. I'm not a big fan of his first two, uh, Mm -hmm. thank you for smoking or Juno. I do like up in the air. I absolutely love young adult. Mm -hmm. Um, and labor day, 
I still don't know what to make of it. Yeah. Did you have you seen? I've not seen it. No. Uh, I I talked to a friend of the show and our uh, editor at large. Um, we need to update the website by the Indeed, way. Yes. Um, editor at large Scott and I, I think is a bit uh, aghast that I am so fascinated by Labor Day. He, yeah. Like he saw it and he was like, "Yeah, I saw it. I didn't think it was very good. I don't know why you can't shut up about it." Yeah. Uh, but I am. But anyway, that's not. The, this isn't about Labor Day. This is about men, men, women, and children, which is one of those movies that. Everyone, not everyone, but so many people are hating it so much that it makes me feel like I like it more than I do because it's not that bad. And also specifically because it is um, superficial and trite in a lot of ways. Um, I think the best, the, the thing that I really latched onto, I don't remember who said it, but people have said a version of this, that it's sort of like reefer madness, but with technology. That's the thing that I'm rebelling against because I think that's the opposite of the, so many people are reacting to it reacting to the movie as if it itself is a reactionary thing like reefer madness right. that it's but it's it's not it's that's as far my point of view of men women and children is that it is the opposite of that it is saying that all of the internal and domestic dramas that people go through and have gone through for all of human history mm-hmm. are still going on this is just how they look now yeah because of technology okay which i like that point Unfortunately, the dramas that unfold aren't, again, aren't that deep. It's, it's a lot of, it's yeah. sort of soap opera melodrama that you can kind of see coming. Um, but because so many people are judging it to be something that I think it is not at all, in yeah. fact, is the opposite of, I'm tempted to say I like it more than I do. Well, and having having not seen it, but based on what you're saying, it sounds like if the stories themselves were more compelling, people would have had something to pay attention to. Maybe. So they didn't, yeah. so they wouldn't think that this film is just trying to be this larger commentary on technology right. and stuff. Right. Um, um, Emma Thompson is great. Her, she's the, um, okay. she's the uh, narrator, I guess. She's oh, okay. not a character in the movie. She's just the narrator. Okay. Um, and she, I like good so, narration in a movie. Yeah. And it's, there's, I mean, there's a sort of superficial joy in that Emma Thompson in her lovely British accent gets yeah. to say things like titty fucking cum queens. <laughs> <laughs> but she's good apart from that <laughs> you say apart from that <laughs> yeah i would venture to say she's great because of that <laughs> yeah um okay that's that's interesting um so i want to stick with i want to the movies i want to lead with are the ones that are fairly recent and then i'll get into some older films that i've seen um i did recently watch under the skin which have you seen it no i haven't seen it uh it's jonathan glazer who i i love his film sexy beast I remember seeing Birth. I remember liking Birth. I don't remember much about it. I never saw um, it. I remember it being a very intriguing film. Uh, he has really... Um... Okay, I'll just say what I'm going to say. He's really gone off the deep end, and I mean that in the best possible way. Like, he he feels no... He clearly feels no compunction to tell a, a story that is conventional that welcomes the audience in like this is a film that exists completely on its own terms not unlike i mean you know the care the, the film may involve uh aliens or just just others non-humans one way or another and it's very much from their perspective and so the film does seem to have the type of logic that we can't relate to and it seems to be structured in a way that is counterintuitive for the audience um but it's really it, first, it's visually striking. The music is wonderful. The pacing is is you know um, uh, hypnotic. Um, and the thing that get, and okay, 
so it's a film that I, if you're a film fan, I think you'll, you'll really respond to it. You might love it, but I think you'll respond to it. I don't think you have a choice but to respond to this film. What I will say, it, there's also the added joy of knowing that, and this is going to sound douchey on my part. I apologize. So Scarlett Johansson gets f- full on naked in this film. Okay. It's neat to know that there are going to be frat guys out there that say, hey, I hear Scarlett Johansson gets naked in this movie. Finally. Like th- then they say, finally, let's go watch Under the Skin. And they have to watch this movie. They have to earn I would, seeing I, her naked. I enjoy that. That's funny. So, uh, me, so yeah. Because we're on no tangents. Yeah. Remind me to ask you when we're done about the um, the author of the novel that it's based on. Okay. Uh, and then I will say uh, – I see. I saw this further ago than I than uh, I wanted to incorporate here, but I did, I will say very quickly. I saw Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. I liked it at the time. I now love it, and it is and it has. This started ha- for. I didn't see um, Prisoners, but I did see Zodiac, and from what I hear, this is definitely the film. Uh, what was started with prisoners is now, in my opinion, solidified in Nightcrawler that Jake Gyllenhaal has finally realized that he's been a character actor the whole time. <laughs> and he and he's he knocks it out of the park. But it's also just a really beautifully shot film. Robert Ellswit shot. it. Yeah. And yeah. And I because I, I he did there will be blood. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's just and it's got a nice tone to it. And I really, really responded. I really, to it. I really want to see it. Yeah. And he is fantastic in prisoners. Um. I saw a movie but it was a bit of a weird choice for me. Um, I saw the documentary Harmontown. Oh, okay. A- as a person who has seen maybe four episodes of Community, yeah. has never listened to the Harmontown podcast, and yeah. knows next to nothing about Dan Harmon except that he, uh, uh, going in, I knew apparently he likes to drink, and he doesn't get along with Chevy Chase. That's kind of what he I He doesn't knew. get along with a lot of people. <laughs> well, Chevy Chase doesn't get along with anybody. Um, and having why I, I really enjoyed this documentary Harmontown. I don't know that I like dan Harmon anymore but um it's not a it's not a for fans only or a puff piece about him yeah um i really like the what the director and i forget his name i don't have it in front of me um what he chose to focus on which is very humanistic and also um keeps its distance and uh spends plenty of time on characters other than and I say characters as a documentary, but people other than Dan Harmon, because mm-hmm. the idea is he when he got fired from Community for a season, he took his podcast on tour, yeah, rented a tour bus. So it's him, his co-host, his girlfriend, and then I guess do you ever listen to the podcast? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay, so I guess they play Dungeons and Dragons. It's like a regular segment of the podcast, oh, okay. and they have their own dungeon master. Okay, well that doesn't surprise me. There are two Community episodes about Dungeons okay. and Dragons. Um, so their dungeon master goes on the road with them, huh. and he is as much a fascinating character as anyone else because you like talk about a guy like this is a guy who's in many ways you know standard sort of reclusive shy nerd type guy but really Mm -hmm. nice lives with his parents um but like just like almost serendipitously was clearly just waiting for like his purpose in life was to be (laughs) the dungeon master for dan Harmon because he like he's perfect like you it's almost like uh, this sounds mean. Like, um, who was the guy on the Ricky Gervais podcast? Oh, Carl Pilkington. Yeah. Now, um, Spencer's not like. There's no. He's not stupid. Yeah, yeah. Spencer's a nice guy, but almost that kind of like. 
how did this, how did these things come together yeah, so yeah. perfectly? Um, that's, that's what it is with Spencer. And I ended up loving him, uh, uh a lot and, um, really enjoying the journey that the director, whose name I am forgetting now, um, sort of imposes on the story, I guess, um, about, about Dan Harmon and about the, I guess, um, sort of, I guess it sort of just jives with my worldview of being in some ways very warm and optimistic, but also, uh, very clear eyed about how awful people can be at the same time and embodies manages to embody both of those points of view in Dan Harmon himself. Uh, you know, it shows, you know, on the one hand, um, it, uh, shows how much, Dan Harmon's podcast and TV show and just his presence as a person mean to, you know, weirdos all over the country who come out and, and are just, they're not just coming out to laugh. They are emotionally moved by this guy. Mm. But you also see that he's like not exaggerating, like verbally abusive to his girlfriend at times, especially when he's, when he's drunk, he definitely drinks too much. Mm. Uh, And so you see both of those things and the film is so unjudging. Uh, I, I found it really, really interesting. That sounds fascinating. And, uh, I'm not going to start watching Community, though. Quick tangent. In the, I guess, Yahoo season of uh, Community, uh, they announced two additional cast members, Paget Brewster uh-huh. and Keith David. That's awesome. I'm a big fan of both of them. I don't know who I like more. Uh, well, I'll tell you one thing. Speaking of Keith David, this is not why I brought it up, but I realize now that I have made a transition into one of the, a film that I saw at long last... I saw John Carpenter's They Live. Oh, I've never seen it. Uh, I enjoyed it tremendously. Um, it is... I mean, in many ways, it's the political... It's not even an allegory. It's just all there. They just come out and just say it, that uh, that the rich and the elite are basically these uh, alien things that come here to distract us with goods and services and television and that sort of thing so that they can just suck up all the resources and that sort of thing. It's really obvious. It's really clunky. And in a way, not unlike Nightcrawler with the way it talks about the media, I I almost want to say, and I realize they live came out uh, during the Reagan era. So there's that. But, um, but I almost want to say like, you don't, I mean, you don't think you're the first one making this point, right? <laughs> uh, but that's okay. That, that doesn't bother me because I, I kind of respect how unabashed they are about it. But uh, but they live as a thriller is a lot of fun. Um, I had previously only seen The Fight. Do you know what I mean when I say that? No. Okay. There's a fight that goes on comically long between Roddy Piper and Keith David. Uh-huh. It is ridiculous. Because I because I had seen it out of context, uh, which by the way, seeing it in context really does not add much. Uh, it still is just it's like they said, okay, we've got this fight choreographer that we want to uh, that we want to keep around, so let's give him something to do. And then they built a movie around what he did, but the movie has nothing to do with what he did. It's crazy, and it, but it's still a lot of fun, and the movie is just is just tremendously fun. And so I highly recommend watching that. And then lastly, I saw a wonderful film that I, I don't know if you do this very much. It's a thing I do from time to time. Barnes and Noble or, uh, or, um, criterion will have a half off sale Uh and I'll, 
And I just think, okay, you know what? I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to buy some stuff I haven't seen and we'll see how it goes. Huh. I sometimes, do sometimes it uh, pays off. Sometimes it doesn't. But this paid off in spades. I cannot recall the name of the filmmaker, but I saw the Japanese horror film House. Oh, yeah, yeah. And have you ever seen oh, it? Oh, yeah, I've seen House. It is wonderful. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I tend not to... I can respond to uh, experimental stuff, but I tend not to, like, embrace it, uh, embrace it as much as, as I do more uh, conventional things. But but I just... I, I've, I was so full of joy as I was watching it. Mm-hmm. It's just... He literally had a bunch of ideas and said no to nothing. Yeah. Something came up into his, something came into his head and he said, well, it wouldn't be in my head if it, if it was a bad idea. So let's just do that. Yeah. And it's so, it's just, it's, it's full of life and fun and it's still kind of disturbing at times as well. Yeah. The only thing I find objectionable about that movie is the fact that there's one of one of the girls they keep referring to as like the fat girl. Yeah. She's not fat. Yeah. Like. Well, but it would have been. I it guess would maybe have been, compared to the other girls, yeah, but but like, they're not going to say the fatter girl. They're not going to say that. <laughs> but, she's like, but she's like constantly stuffing her face, and yeah. it's like these horrible stereotypes. Yeah. And I just had had a trouble wrap my my mind around it. And she's the she's the fat one who's constantly eating, and she's the first one to die. And I just thought, oh, it's Augustus Gloop. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's yeah, that's exactly. who you are. Um, Okay, you're already at finally. I have a couple more things. Okay. I saw a document. I'll be, I should be going home and writing a review tonight. We'll see if I get, maybe I'll do it in the morning. Um, a documentary called Merchants of Doubt that uh, you will hate. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know if you'll hate it. It's from the guy who made Food Inc., which I like. Okay. Um, and this ostensibly Merchants of Doubt, uh, it's, it's a breeze to watch. It's uh, okay. 96 minutes. It just flies by. I don't know if you saw Food Inc., but I he, did not. This guy, um, I really, okay, note for next time, write down directors' names, not just movie names. Yeah. Um, but he has a way of making large chunks of dry information fun or interesting. and Palatable. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's, not, uh, it's not a movie that I was like checking my watch during or anything. Yeah. But it is ostensibly about people who show up on um, like uh, – TV news magazine type shows as quote unquote, like experts from think tanks. Okay. And they're arguing against like say actual experts who are like scientists with degrees and everyone. But these people are essentially professional experts who are, they're just people who are good at making an argument on TV and maybe don't necessarily have the background or even believe what they're saying necessarily. Interesting. Um, That's ostensibly what it's about, but it becomes so specifically about um, uh, just, just running climate change deniers through the gauntlet, which I, you know, I'm, I, I think those people are doing a lot of damage, but it just becomes kind of one note. And also I felt like kind of disingenuous because you sold us this movie, you know, you started with the tobacco industry and you started with, uh, weird things like fire retardants in furniture, which is really, that's that, that subject is actually, that chapter of the film is actually really interesting. Mm -hmm. But as it goes on, it becomes clear, like, okay, maybe you have started with this idea of it being about, this group, because there's a group of people, and there aren't that many of them. You see them show up; they mm-hmm. show from time to time um, on different shows, and not necessarily even for the same cause or whatever. But so it's like, okay, you take Aaron Eckhart's character from Thank You for Smoking, and like look at that subculture, and that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. But um, it uh, it just turns away from that by the halfway point, and is just about this one thing. And I guess I felt cheated a little bit. Yeah, almost as though. Yeah, because I remember there was a movie 
that I saw called, I think it's called Clean Flicks or Pure Flicks. I think it's called Clean Flicks. And it's about those companies that uh, they don't exist anymore, but they would edit movies, um, edit like R-rated movies to make them uh, acceptable to certain uh, Christian groups and that sort of thing. Um, And it was really interesting. And then it, and it talked about like, got, you know, people that did the editing guys who had video stores uh, devoted entirely to these movies and that sort of thing. So it's very broad and it, brought up the idea artistically of is this an okay thing to do and that sort of thing uh and then it just zeroes in on one guy specifically Hmm. and i understand the idea of picking somebody as a microcosm um but then also it explores some of the sort of sexual dalliances he's had in the past and all that and trying to point out sort of the hypocrisy of him and then maybe using that to talk about the hypocrisy of others, except of course, maybe they don't have that hypocrisy. And now it just turns into a hit piece on this guy that is not a public figure by any stretch. <laughs> and, uh, and I just feel like it, it bothered me because I just thought like you had, you really had something, but, and you settled for something much smaller. And the thing is, if instead of this being merchants it out, if it was the climate change, deny anti-climate change, denial sure. documentary, cause I'm mostly on the guy's side. I mean, I'm not, I don't know. I joked that like compared to my family, Back in Missouri, I'm like a pinko commie. Yeah, yeah. Compared to my friends out here, I'm like spinelessly centrist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not as yeah. far mil- to the left. Um, I believe a milk toast uh, combs to my hardcore Hannity. Is that what I said? Is that what no, it, said? it was on iTunes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Milk toast Holmes. Yeah, I like that. Combs. Um, Pardon Holmes me, combs. is what I meant to say. Yeah. Um, but uh, so it's like I'm mostly on the guy's side, but I just felt like I have to be like a film critic first, and this is not a well-made or cohesive yeah. documentary. Yeah. Anyway, congratulations um, you you now know what it's like to be a Christian seeing God's not dead. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, and then I saw, oof, I saw a real bad movie. Okay. Called Begin Again. It's the John oh, yeah. Carney, the guy who made the wonderful once. Yeah. It's a beautiful film. One of the one of my favorite films of the past ten years. Yeah. Um. Begin Again is just, I think it's trying too hard to recapture that. Because mm-hmm. um, it is sort of that semi-musical uh, yeah. type thing, like once. Uh, and I do think it's safe to say, and especially now that you've kind of told me about this, once is kind of a lightning in the in a bottle sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, so Mark Ruffalo plays a guy who was a hotshot record exec who went and was very influential in the early 90s and founded, he along with... Uh, most deaf credited as Yasin Bey, mm-hmm. um, which I'm not used to seeing. I didn't, uh, yeah. I didn't put two and two together in the opening <laughs> opening titles. Yeah, I when like, I oh, s- right. when I saw Life of Crime, uh, right. I thought, "Hey, where's Most Deaf's name?" And oh, right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so he, like they, you know, were record execs together at a major label and then founded their own label that was very influential in the early '90s. And he, uh, at this point, Mark Ruffalo's character is uh, divorced and hasn't actually done anything it just sort of shows up sporadically mm-hmm. uh, over the past 10 years or whatever and so he loses his job um and serendipitously while on a bender sees kira knightley performing at an open mic and decides he wants to be wants to represent her even though he no longer has the means to do so because they yeah. have a company so they decide to make a sort of gorilla uh album where they get musicians to volunteer or get points on the back end or whatever you call it um and to that does sound familiar, yes. To uh, run around the city and record live performances in alleys and on the boats in Central Park and on rooftops and all over New York City. Um, 
And it's about as contrived as cutesy as that yeah. makes it sound. And there are some things that have a little bit of a rougher edge to them, but uh, it never really works. The best thing about the movie is Adam Levine, who plays an Adam Levine type character, mm-hmm. um, who was like Kira Knightley's boyfriend who got famous and became a douchebag. Okay. Um, and the absolute best thing about the movie for me is at one point Adam Levine's character, whose name is Dave, sends a text message that says, come see my show at the Gramercy Saturday night, please. Dave. <laughs> he signs his name at the end of the text message. And I don't know if that's supposed to be because he's a douchebag or if whoever is in charge of the movie, that part of the movie, thought that that's how text messages work. Yeah. But I like laughed out loud in the movie. My wife didn't necessarily know. But when I told her on the car at home, when I said, did you notice? And then we both couldn't stop laughing about it. Um, so that's that's what I had my takeaway from Begin Again. Is All right. That, uh, so watch the movie and look for that text scene. Yeah, it's near the end. Um so that's all the movies I want to include. Um, uh, maybe going forward, include TV in this a little bit. Um, sure. But I hadn't done a lot of preparation, so I'll just mention a couple of shows. Uh, How to Get Away with Murder is um, a very enjoyable show week to week that um, could, if it doesn't, if it doesn't lose sight of what it is, could remain good, but mm-hmm. also could go very quickly off the rails. Yeah. If it forgets uh, to balance. Um, real character and metaphorical work with the sort of insane 15 plot twists and episode pace that it's mm-hmm. keeping up, um, which I'm okay with. And then the other thing that I'm watching, I'm almost done is a cartoon network miniseries, mm-hmm. which is not something cartoon, cartoon network, yeah. but a contained miniseries called over the garden wall. That is fantastic. If you heard me talk about it on, Hey, watch this. Yeah. When I only watched the first two episodes, you might've heard me, express a little reservation but the further you get into these 10 and it's 10 episodes but they're each 11 minutes long yeah um the further you get into these 10 episodes and the deeper you go it becomes weirder and creepier Hmm. um tim curry voiced a character named auntie whispers who is i can't even i can't describe this character to you she is so weird and creepy um and that name is weird i'm happy that uh because i know tim curry last year had a stroke and uh and i'm happy that uh apparently maybe he did this before that i don't know i don't know the voice cast is fantastic yeah christopher lloyd uh melanie linsky okay shannon sossaman uh elijah wood is the lead okay the lead voice um and I'm sure I'm leaving out. Uh, Chris Isaac did a voice. Okay. He did one of the, uh, yeah, one of the cooler characters, uh, voices. There's, and I'm sure I'm leaving out some voices. And then the second to last one was called Into the Unknown. Um, was really fantastic because it was mostly a flashback. Mm-hmm. It was almost entirely a flashback, and it. I don't want to go into spoilers, but I'm so glad that the show waited until this late in its run to go back and see these things because it in a way that I think is really healthy reinforms everything you've seen. Hmm. Um, I don't want to go into spoilers on that, but it was, uh, uh, it was a really fantastic episode and felt both completely apart from and completely a part of the rest of the series. So, uh, yeah, over the garden wall is fantastic. Anyway, I guess that's our first movie journal. I guess so. Uh, yeah, so, okay. I think we're done. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, All right. All right. Uh, I don't know how we're going to, we'll figure out a way to end these things. Eventually. Yeah, it'll be fine. All right. Bye. All right, bye.